Well, welcome, welcome, welcome to Faith Church. Are you glad you're here today? I'm glad you're here. I want to say a big welcome to all of those that are online with us today, our friends and family of Faith Church. We're glad you're tuning in, listening a little later on. It's uh, going to be a great day. Anybody dreaming of a white Christmas? Anybody dreaming of a white Christmas? Uh, it came a little early today here in Southeast Kansas. Got a little bit of white that we get to uh, experience and love. I, I got to be honest, I love a good white Christmas. I would be all right if we had some white in the ground on Christmas and uh, then never see any again after that. <laughs> be, be well okay with that. Uh, I want to read a, a scripture this morning. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 1, starting in verse 18, as we are in uh, week number three of a series that we're calling Twas the Night Before. And if you didn't bring a copy of scripture with you, that's all right. You can grab your mobile device and go to faithchurchks.org, faithchurchks.org. And uh, you can click on that first card that you see. It says sermon notes, and all of the scriptures that we're going to read today are listed there for you. And uh, you can read along with us uh, this morning. Uh, Matthew chapter 1, starting in verse 18, it says this. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. Before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Now, because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet didn't want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to just kind of call it off and divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, listen to this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you, Joseph, are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had already said through the prophet Isaiah, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him, and he took him, and he took Mary home as his wife. Can we pray this morning? Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it is alive, it's active, it, it's working in our lives. And so, Father, today we ask that as we, your people, gather around these scriptures to, to learn about who Jesus is and the message that he brings to us and the hope that is found in a relationship with you, God. Lord, I pray that you would speak to us. And Lord, if there would just be one person in our midst or watching later online, that isn't in a relationship with you. God, I pray that you, by your Spirit, would just draw us into relationship with you and may our hearts surrender, make room for you, and receive you as our Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Anybody ever have one of those wild dreams where you're waking up and you're like, I don't know if that was real or if that was like a dream. Sometimes you're like, I hope that was a dream. And sometimes you're like, man, that would be awesome if that was really 
the reality. Dreams are an interesting thing, aren't they? Some dreams you have on a recurring basis. Some dreams you know uh, right in the middle of it, and you have that ability to like wake yourself up right in the middle of the dream. Some dreams you're having and you're like, I want to wake up, I want to wake up, somebody wake me up, wake me up, wake me up, and you can't get out of it. You're like, what is happening right now? Some dreams I've had to where they are so vivid and so real, I literally feel like I'm falling. And then I slap my wife as I try and grab something on the way down and nobody's dreaming anymore. It is quite real after that from those moments on. Dreams are really an interesting, an interesting thing. Some dreams you enjoy and some dreams you really don't enjoy and we call those nightmares. Uh, I was reading an article on Medical News today and they said that, um, that dreams are an enduring source of mystery to the medical community, to, to both doctors, scientists, and, and psychological doctors. They're, they're a little bit of a mystery. Why do dreams occur? Uh, they, they still don't know really what even causes dreams necessarily. And, 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 and of course, everybody's looking, can we even control the dreams that we have? Everybody's kind of asking these kinds of questions. In the article, though, they did give some kind of quick facts that they do know as it relates to dreams. There are some things that they said they do know for certain like this, that we may not remember dreaming, but everyone thought is thought to dream between three and six times every night. It is said that you're going to dream three to six times every night. It is also thought that each dream lasts between five to 20 minutes long. Five to 20 minutes long is how it said dreams last. They say this, that around 95% of dreams are forgotten by the time the person gets up out of bed. You ever had one of those dreams and you're in the middle of it or in the middle of the night, you're like, oh, I need to remember that dream. And the minute you wake up, you're like, I don't really remember what that was about. I really wanted to tell somebody. It would have been a great story to tell. Dreaming can help you learn and develop long-term memories, they say. And they say blind people dream more with, uh, because of the other sensory components compared to sighted people. Like their dreams are a little bit more immersive than people who have sight. Which is interesting because I've heard that um, when you lose one of your senses, all of your other senses tend to be more accentuated and heightened. I wonder what it would be like if some of the things that were distracting you and me in our lives, I wonder what would happen if those began to be eliminated in our lives, even spiritually. I wonder what kind of encounters we could have with God. I, I wonder what kind of relationship we would have with God. I wonder if we would start seeing and experiencing God speak to us in profound and specific ways. If, if maybe, just maybe, some of the other things that cause our distractions or that we're using energy and sensing toward, I wonder, I wonder if we limit some of those, if maybe, just maybe, God would speak to us a little bit more. And it's not just about the dreams that you dream at night. Those are important to understand. What about the dreams that you have in your heart? What about that business that you long to start? What about that family that you can't wait to have? The beautiful spouse, the nice little home, the white picket fence, 2.5 kids, the 0.5 is the fur baby, you know, the... The nine-to-five dream, American. Like, what about like that dream that we have in our heart? What we know from Scripture 
is that oftentimes the dreams in our heart are there because God has placed those desires inside of you. Did you know that God has a dream for your life too? That God has a purpose for your life? That, that, that God, God has, 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 has a destiny to where you yourself are not here on accident? I believe that for many of you here today, this may be your first time with us, and, and we're thrilled that you took some time out of a snowy day to be here. I believe that you're here on purpose, that God has arranged life so that you can be here in this moment to hear these words and to maybe just maybe have something stirred in your heart that you've never had stirred before. To, to maybe just maybe have an, an experience in the presence of God, in the house of God, among the people of God, that might alter the course of your life from now on. I, I think that God has a way of orchestrating those things. God cares about the dreams that you have in your heart. God cares about the relationships in your life. God cares about the career that you're walking in. God cares about those things. In fact, I would go as far as to say the dreams and the hopes and the ambitions that you have in your heart, those put a smile on God's face. When you live with a sense of hope and purpose, God is pleased with that. God is pleased with that. I think God was pleased with Joseph, Joseph and Mary. I think he was pleased with their life. I, I think when he looked down at their life and saw the wedding plans that they were starting to create, the hashtag for the wedding that they had already decided was going to be at the photo booth, hashtag Mary and JoJo. Like, I, I'm sure, like, like, that put a smile on God's face that they were dreaming of this life together. But like Mary and Joseph, and like many of you, the dreams that you have in your heart often go from dreamy to messy really quick. To where the, the course that you thought your life was going to take when you were entering college, by the time you got out of college and were two years into a career, you realized this isn't the direction you wanted to go. And you started to make a little bit more messy decisions as you tried to muddle your way through your life, trying to live out your purpose. Life has a way of going from dreamy to messy really fast. The unexpected turns, the things that you weren't planning for, that happens. And that happened to Mary and Joseph. Think about it. You're, you're going along. You're, you're getting married soon. You're, 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 you're pledged to be married. All things are pointing to a great life when all of a sudden you get news from your fiancé that they're pregnant. And it was God. Not a dude. But God, like, that's a hard one to process. Can we be honest? Like, that's a hard one to process. If it wasn't foretold 400, 700 years prior, it would be really hard to look at and be like, oh, yeah, that's going to happen. Like, like, this is the one time that this has actually been true. I'm sure a lot of other people have tried it. God, hey, Mom, Dad, I just wanted you to know, like, this was God. This was all God's do. Like, I don't think that that excuse ever really works out anymore. I don't encourage you to try it out. In fact, from this day, from that day on, people have been trying to blame breakups on God. Like, that ah, God told me it's time to end this. No, you just don't like the way he breathes with his mouth open. Let's be honest, it has nothing to do with God. It has everything to do with your own preferences, right? Like, come on. 
But life goes from dreamy to messy really, really fast. And I think that one of the things that really helps us when we find ourselves in the mess, one of the things that I think really helped Joseph when he was in the mess was that he got a word from God. God spoke to Joseph. And when God speaks, his message begins to give him courage to obey. It has a way of giving us courage to obey. Anytime you're facing a messy situation in your life, and you come to church and you hear a word from God, or you're driving down the road and there's a song that's playing and there's a thought that God drops in your head, or maybe at night you really have a dream that God gave to you and he speaks to you in this dream. In those moments when you know that you know that you know that you heard from God, it gives you courage to walk in that direction. It gives you courage to obey. That's really the first thing I want us to see from this story today is this simple truth that God's message gives us courage to obey. I, I find it really interesting that sometimes it's a father's voice that makes all the difference. Uh, some of you dads may, may, would, would maybe relate to this. Or I think all of us, if, if we've had a dad that was interactive in our life and encouraging in your life, when your dad was there cheering you on at your sporting events, it kind of makes you puff your chest and stand a little taller. When dad is there at the recital telling you, I think you're going to nail this. You're going to play the piano better than anybody else. I'm just, it's going to be great. You're going to be awesome in volleyball. You're going to do great on the soccer field. You're going to kill this math challenge. You're going to be amazing at chess. Like, like when your dad speaks to you, it just kind of gives you a little bit more courage, doesn't it? I think that's what's happening. God, the Father, was speaking directly to Joseph, and it was giving him courage to obey in a very messy situation that required a ton of courage. Think about it. This was breaking all of the social rules to be married and engaged to somebody that now was pregnant, and not by you, but by somebody else. To face what would be public ridicule. To face the, the dirty looks from all of grandmas and great grandpas and, and all of the aunts and the cousins and the next door neighbors who are just giving her a look as she's walking by. And Joseph who's standing there with her. It was a scandalous moment. But it required great courage to obey. Anytime there's an opportunity for you to walk in obedience, can I just let you know, it's going to require courage. You need courage to follow God's voice. You're going to need courage to follow his way. You're going to need courage to do what God has spoken to you. I was thinking this morning about some of the Christmas story, how uh, the, the wise men saw the star and they decided to follow it. They were from the far east, like Asia area, traveling to Jerusalem. They followed the star hundreds of miles. They didn't have an airplane. They didn't have a boat. They rode camels and donkeys. It took them months to get from where they were at to where they were going. I wonder how many people saw the star but did nothing about it. I wonder how many people saw the star in the sky and decided, I, I got to research what this, this star is all about. And they start doing some research, go to, go to the Wikipedia and try and figure out what star and how it would possibly mean anything. And they start researching it. And then they started getting dead ends. They're like, I don't really know what the star is. And then they just gave up. 
Or they like, hey, that's a really cool star. Let's go. I'm, I'm all about an adventure. Let's go. And they just hop in, road tripping it with their college buddies to follow this star. They get two days into it. They'll be like, nah, my bum's a little tired of this camel. Let's go back home. Like, you start and then you stop. You start and then you stop. Why? Because if you're going to actually follow through on what God has given you to do, it's going to require some courage, some fortitude, some belief, some hope that beyond anything, beyond the circumstances, beyond your comfort level, you're going to walk in faith. You're going to obey. And when God speaks to you personally, it gives you that courage to do it. When God speaks to you personally, it gives you the courage to do it. Here at, a ch at our church, it took a lot of faith for us to stand up and say, we're going to build an addition onto this building, and we're going to do it cash in hand, debt-free, not borrowing a dime. We're going to see God's faithfulness come to be. Friends, we're seeing the fruit of obedience that required courage and faith to walk it out in our new lobby and check-in, and to God be the glory for it. It, it's taken some faith for us over the last three years to say, hey, the last Sunday of the year, uh, instead of ramping up and encouraging people to get an end-of-the-year offering, and you got one more day to get some tithing in, and you got one more day to make budget, and, and uh, instead of focusing on anything along those lines on the last Sunday of the year, it's taken some courage to say, we're not meeting at all. You go be with your families. You go have fun. I mean, everybody knows the holidays are a tough time to get people going to church. You go from the most attended Sunday of the year on Christmas to not having anything at all and hope to God people still show up in January. <laughs> Who does that? Faith Church does that. Why? We just choose to have a little bit of faith in our lives. And never once have we seen God let us down. Never once have we seen uh, God not come through. We're going to do it again this year. Who, what, what church says we're going to take 100% of the offering that comes in and we're just going to give it away? Who does that? People who hear from God decide to obey in courage and faith because they're confident that God spoke to them. And when God speaks to you, my friends, just know you can have courage to obey whatever the cost Whatever the cost, some of you are trying to decide if you want to live for God. Some of you are trying to decide if you want to do it God's way or not. Some of you are just trying to figure out if you really want to put God first this Christmas, if you really want to do the right thing, if you really want to follow through on the dreams that he's given you, and you're trying to decide if you want to do it. Friends, if God has spoken it to you, let that build courage in you so that you can obey fully. I, I found it interesting that even though Joseph heard from God, it gave him courage, it still didn't change the mess right away. It still was a little messy. He still had to walk out his obedience in a context that was less than ideal, in a context that other people would have given up and walked away from. Joseph had every right to hear the news from Mary and decide to pout. He had every right to, to hear the news from Mary and then get bitter at her. She let him down. So he could have thought. He could have sat there and be like, but what about my dream wedding? But he didn't. He didn't pout about it. 
He didn't whine about it. He didn't get bitter that it didn't work out in his favor. He didn't get upset and throw a tantrum. No, he just instead decided, I'm going to obey and follow through on God's dream rather than following my dream. Friends, when you start serving God's dream for your life, your dream begins to take second, play second fiddle. And I just got to let you know, when you start following God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, he has a way of giving you the very desires of your heart that you didn't even remember years ago. That's how good our God is, that he brings it about. God met Joseph right at his point of obedience. Friends, God will always meet you at your point of obedience too. God has a way of meeting us in those moments. And what's interesting is that God will often answer our need in a moment by giving us a seed to sow. See, Joseph, he had a need. His dream was a wreck. And what did God ask him to do? Serve and to be a part of God's dream for humanity. Joseph played a pivotal role in the history of mankind, all because he was willing to turn his need into a seed that he sowed, into the time and investment. His obedience was that. And God always releases a spiritual blessing when you walk in doing something practical in your obedience. On January 5th, we're going to start as a church 21 days of prayer and fasting. We're going to go from January 5, 21 straight days. And, and I want to challenge you to consider not only participating in the prayer challenge, but to fast and go without something. You can find details on our central hub, and you'll get information and hear more about it in the coming days and weeks. But we're going to do this again as a church. Something happens when you do a physical act of obedience to God, fasting, giving up food of some kind, or all together, or, or going off social media, or not watching uh, video and Netflix for a while. When you surrender something, you do a physical act. It is a seed that releases God's spiritual blessing in your life in an amazing way. Something happens when you posture yourself in this way. This wasn't the only time in Scripture that God spoke to Joseph in a dream. There was another time that God spoke to Joseph in a dream. In fact, we read it in Matthew chapter 2, starting uh, in verse 13. Here's kind of what's happened in the story, if you're unfamiliar with the Christmas story. At this point, Jesus would have been born. He would have been close to two years old at the time. There were some wise men from the east who traveled and got there and gave some gifts to Jesus. And, and uh, Herod, the king at the time, found out about it. Was irate that there was another king that had been born? And he was frustrated and scared and insecure, and he made a decree that he was going to, he didn't let it publicly known, but he had made a decision that every male born two years old and younger was to be killed. Mass murder. Children two years old and under. Why? Because he didn't want any threat to his throne. And this is the climate the cultural climate that Mary and Joseph find themselves in with their, their wonderful, loving son. And God shows up and speaks to Joseph again. Look, look at verse 13 of chapter 2. It says, when they had gone, meaning the, the magi, the wise men, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So Joseph, he, he got up 
took the child and his mother during the night and left for Egypt. And he stayed there until the death of Herod had been fulfilled. God spoke to Joseph in a critical, critical time. Some of you, your life feels really messy, and you feel like it is a critical time for you to hear from God. You've been wondering what God, I should, God, should I take this job? Should I not take this job? You've been wondering uh, what you should do about a family situation that has just been frazzled and worn out. Some of you have been wondering what to do about a parent who's ailing. Do you take care of them? Do you bring them into your home? Do you, do you put them in another assisted home? What do you do? How do you financially take care of it? Some of you are facing some messy situations. I want to encourage you with something. You need to know this. God wants to speak to you more than you want him to speak to you. God wants to speak to you more than you want to hear him speak. It's not about you being worthy of him speaking to you. It's about you being available for him to speak to you. God wants to speak to you. The question is, have you made yourself available for him to speak to you. Sometimes people talk to me and they're like, Pastor, I, I used to hear God. I used to show up at church and God would speak to me and all these things. And it, but I haven't heard God in a really long time. I feel like it's silent. And one of the first things I asked him to do was, tell me, what was the last thing God asked you to do? Have you done it? See, your past obedience tells God whether or not he can trust you with the next secret. What you did with the last word that God gave you is a stewardship that reveals to God that he can trust you with the next thing to do in your life. Some of you have been sitting on a decision that God has already spoken to you that you need to make, a, a change that you need to make in your life, but you haven't made it yet. He'll speak to you again once you obey the last orders that he gave you. He's waiting to see your heart surrendered through your obedience. Your obedience to God fully lets him know that he can trust you with the next secret. It's not about whether or not you're worthy to be talked to. You're God's son. You're God's daughter. He can't wait to talk to you. He longs to speak to you personally. You can hear God speak to you. It's not about those things. God wants to speak to you through sermons that are being preached. He'll speak to you through lyrics of songs that just echo in your heart. You're like, oh, that's exactly what I needed to hear today. That I am loved, that I am a child of God, that I am redeemed. Sometimes he'll speak to you through a friend, a social post that'll get your attention. Sometimes it'll be in dreams and visions that he gives you. There are all sorts of ways God can speak to you. The question is, are you making room for him to speak to you? Everything God does is a stewardship. So if God spoke to you once, somebody, God's trying to get a hold of somebody right now. Their phone is ringing. You might want to answer it. Just saying, could be the Lord. Your future spouse on the other line. I'm just, could be happening. Listen, this is why I encourage you every Sunday you come to church, come ready to write some things down. Come ready to take notes. That's why we put it on the, on, the, on the hub for you to type in. You can type in your own notes, send it to yourself later. Why? Because that tells God, God, I'm ready for you to speak to me. If you say something to me, God, I'm going to write it down. I'm going to keep track of it. I'm going to steward and treasure the things that you're speaking to me because, God, I, I want to move forward with you. I don't want to miss out on what it is that you want to say to me. That's why you need to take notes. That's why you need to be listening. And sometimes, I've, I've encouraged people this all the time. Listen, 
if I'm using words, you hear my words come out, but the Spirit of God starts speaking something to you, you start having another train of thought that's, that's impacting your life, you quit listening to me and you listen to the Lord speak to you. His voice is way more important than mine. I'm just a mouthpiece that he's using to get your attention so that he can speak something personally to you that will transform your tomorrow. That's why you've got to be ready, ready to take notes, ready to write down what he's saying to you because you never know. Here's the third thing I want you to understand is this, that God speaks in unexpected times because he wants you in an unguarded posture. Why do I think God spoke to Joseph at night in a dream? Because you're never more vulnerable than when you're asleep. Some of us aren't hearing from God. God wants to speak to us, but we are so guarded. We are so resistant. We are so busy that we've never made room or made ourselves available for him to actually speak to us. God does it in unexpected times and unexpected places because he wants you unguarded in your own, in your own heart. He wants you unguarded so he can speak to you. This is why, uh, for me, I have found that sometimes the, the, the most times that God speaks something to me personally, it's moments like when I'm exercising. Not to share too much, but when I'm in the shower. Because you can't really multitask when you're in the shower. You're just kind of there. You're doing your thing. Your mind is free to wonder, and God all of a sudden, oh, there's some room. I'm going to speak to them. Same thing when I'm exercising. Sometimes it's in a moment where I'm in worship and I'm singing because I'm not worried about my, my busy day. I'm not worried about trying to produce something. I'm not, I'm not trying to accomplish anything. I'm just there with him and I'm singing. And he has that moment. It's like, ah, they have room. I'm going to speak. Friends, God will fight for your heart, but he will not compete for your attention. That's a good place to say amen or oh my or write it down, so I'll say it again for you. God will do everything. He will move heaven and earth to fight for your heart and gain your affection. But he won't compete for your attention. That's why his voice is a still, quiet voice. And that's why at Christmas, there's this posture that comes on us naturally when we pause when we make room in our schedules, quit being so busy and we just stop and we get up early and get some coffee, turn on the Christmas lights and we're just still before him. Make room for your king to whisper life to your mess. You gotta make room for it. He'll do anything he can to gain your affection. But he doesn't compete for our attention. He doesn't do it. He doesn't do it. That's something we bring to him, our king. We bring him our full attention. So, so what does the, all of this mean? Here's, here's what it means. Real practical. If God wants to speak to you, then our response should be we need to train our ear to hear him speak. We need to train our ear because when we get unguarded, he wants to speak to us. We need to train our ear because when we get in a posture to allow him to speak to us, he wants to bring life to us in a fresh way. When we make room for him to speak, he will speak. 
How do we train our ear? Three things real fast. I want you to jot these down. How do you train your ear to hear God? Because I know a lot of times you're like, okay, that's just weird. I, I, is it like an audible voice? Is it like pictures? Most of the time when God speaks to me, it is a thought that he puts in my mind. It is something that he brings up. Other times it's this sense that I get in my heart and my spirit. Like my, my seamer. Like my spidey senses. My, never mind, I won't use that other phrase. Those of you who have seen the new Spider-Man movie, you're welcome. <laughs> that little tingle, that, that, that sense in you like, ah, you know what? I think I'll go to church tomorrow. Yeah, it might be snowing, but why not? Like, it, you don't know why. It just comes out of nowhere. It's just something like, oh, yeah, this seems good to me. Let's give this a try. Let's give this a shot. Those are some of the ways God speaks to me. Those are the same way God, God will often speak to you. He speaks through his word, things through messages, through songs, through moments. How can we train our ear? Number one is this. We make room. You make room. What if every day this week you took three minutes and just sat in silence and said, God, speak to me. I'm making room for you to talk today. You didn't tell him about your problems. You didn't complain about aunt so-and-so. You didn't gripe about your kid's sense of entitlement. You didn't ask for a bunch of things. You just sat there and said, okay, God, speak to me. What if you made room? Three minutes every day this week. Make room. Make room. Number two, how do you train your ear? Once you make room, ask God to speak to you. The Bible tells us, that we don't have because we never ask. When was the last time you literally prayed aloud, God, would you speak to me right now? Jesus, what do you want to tell me today? When was the last time you prayed that prayer? The reason God might not be speaking out loud to you is because you've never asked him to speak to you. Just ask. 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 Make room. Ask him to speak to you. And then number three, respond in some way. Make room. God, would you speak to me? Whatever it is that you think you hear, don't worry about if it's right or if it's wrong. Just respond in some way. Maybe you write it down. Maybe you pull out your phone and record a voice memo of what it is that you're thinking, what it is that you're feeling in the moment. Maybe you share it with a friend or post it online or verse that God brings to your mind. Do something to steward and act on whatever it is that he said. If he says, hey, call so-and-so, you're sitting there, God, would you, you made room, God, will you speak to me? And all of a sudden, you're thinking about texting somebody. Text them. Hey, how you doing? Well, that couldn't be God. How do you know? <laughs> Just call, send a text, check in on them. It could be the very thing that they need in that moment. You don't know. But God does. Respond in some way. Do something to act on what he says. Because when you act or write it down or when you repent or when you do anything with what it is that you're hearing, God knows he can trust you with the next thing. God knows that you're somebody who's postured in a way that says, I'm ready to receive, God. I'm ready to hear. I'm ready to, to listen. I'm ready to do. I'm ready to engage. It helps us move forward. That's how you train your ear. Those three things. Make room. Ask God and respond in some way. Make room, ask God, respond in some way. I want to challenge all of you to make a commitment right now before you leave 
to be a part of our 21 days prayer and fasting challenge starting January 5th. The challenge is simply this. Make a commitment to fast something for 21 days. Go without it for 21 days. Commit to pray for two minutes for one thing every day. When you make the commitment, you'll have a number that you can text in with a keyword. And every day, we will send you, starting January 5th all the way through, we will send you one prayer point to pray for that day. Spend two minutes praying for that one thing. Two, one, 21 days. Spend two minutes praying for one thing every day for 21 days. We'll send you, some of you are like, I don't want to get text, text messages. That's okay. Go to the central hub. You can print out all 21 ahead of time. Some of you are like, two minutes. I can pray for more than that. Great, go for it. Some of you are like, two minutes. I don't know, that's a stretch. Go for it. <laughs> Some of you, it's not the duration of the prayer. It's the commitment to do it every day that's going to be a stretch for you. Make room. Make a decision. Text the keyword 21DAYS, 21DAYS, to our text line. Make the commitment. Be a part of the 21 days of prayer and fasting. Some of you, you feel like life is a mess. I want to encourage you to make room for God to speak to you today. In fact, we want to give you an opportunity to put this into practice right now. We're going to take a few minutes, and we're going to put on some worship music. We're going to dim the lights, and we're just going to make room. Like, because the minute you walk out of here, you're thinking Chiefs game, you're thinking lunch, you're thinking snowball fights with your kids, you're thinking all sorts of other things. So you've got it right now. Make room for God to speak. Make room. Make room for God to speak. Some of you, this will be the first time God ever speaks to you. It's going to be amazing. Some of you, this will be, be the first time that you ever sit still in God's presence. It's going to be refreshing for you. Some of you, this will be the very first time you sense the peace and the presence of God. Your chair is your altar for the next few minutes. There's the safest place in the world to practice following Jesus, to practice hearing from him. Safest place in the world is among the people of God, in the house of God. Nobody's judging you. Nobody's in your head hearing the thoughts that you're thinking Nobody around you, everybody here is just posturing ourselves to hear God speak to us. Let's bow, let's pray, and then we'll spend some time in the presence of God together, and then I'll be up to close this. Father, over these next few minutes, we ask that you would just speak to us. Lord, we're making room in this service, in this moment, for you to speak to us. Heavenly Father, we ask that you would do it. Speak to us, Lord. We're ready for you to speak. In Jesus' name. Hey, friends and family, I hope today's message was life-giving for you. I want to ask you to take a next step and go ahead and click the subscribe button so you never miss another chance to have an encounter with God. And while you're at it, take another step and share it with a friend. Maybe post it on your social network or text a coworker the link. And when you do that, you are partnering and get to be a part of seeing faith come to life in them. 
Hey, if Faith Church has made an impact in your life, if these messages are helping you gain traction in your faith, would you consider partnering with us financially? When you do that, it helps us widen our reach so that more people can have an encounter with the real Jesus. You can find information and ways to give on our central hub, faithchurchks.org. If you're if you live in the Southeast Kansas region, we'd love to see you in person at one of our Sunday services. You can find those times on our hub as well, faithchurchks.org. Hey, remember this, God is for you and we love you.